Good Adrian, you. my movie buddy, how are you? Hi, Nicholas. I'm pretty good. I think I'm a person. Wait. Yeah. I'm, I'm pinching and touching myself for realness. I seem to yeah. exist. I, I'm not convinced that that is a sufficient test. I <laughs> <laughs> could dream and imagine the pinching test. Uh, yeah, I, no, I'm just saying, like, I am like, this doesn't mean I'm real. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. I want have I ever talked to you about how how I winter have I have we had this conversation before Uh, like um uh like clouds and seasonal affective disorder is that what you mean well I guess it's in that family of conversation I know that like four years ago you and I were doing work together during a December, which was the opposite of how my Decembers usually go. Like we had mm. this really fun, inspired project and I was waking up and we're like writing content and making cool shit. Usually though, December and January. You're hibernating. Um, I, I like to call that period of the year uh, weird turtling. <laughs> sure. I be- yeah. Become a super weird turtle. Like, uh, and it, and it's really, really evident to me in, in January where a lot of people are like, you know, that second week of January where they're rushing out into the world and wanting to do things with people again. And I'm just like, how to people? I don't know. <laughs> and I like hide again. And I don't really come out into the world again until February. But I have noticed in the last week or so a kind of reluctance towards leaving my house or my couch or like anything and I was like oh right 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 December this is my like no you sound like a groundhog I sound like a groundhog yeah like (laughs) like I'm checking to see nope (laughs) I'm going back inside (laughs) yeah I mean you don't have seasons so maybe you don't have this but oh well yeah, I'm not from here originally. I'm from there originally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, and I haven't. Uh, I haven't been fighting it so much. the The seasonal thing I used to do, like back high school days and maybe early twenties, was so back when I used to just stuff down all of my emotions. like shove them down into the bottoms of my feet and I could only feel them in the back of my heel. Back in those days, I would accidentally have some sort of public (laughs) like sobbing thing, unplanned public chaos, like, like choir performances and basketball games and some, something, something, somebody would like elbow me in the throat and then I'd end up sobbing or like, I'd forget my uniform somewhere and then end up like, <laughs> like my one cry a year would end up some unplanned, awful, not the most opportune moment of some somewhere public. Yeah. Of I- course it <laughs> ends up there. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, <laughs> you want to hear how weird my brain is? Yeah. When you were talking about that unplanned public emotional, I, I had the thought of like um, the term emotional meltdown came to mind. And then I had the thought of, do you remember um, Mad Max Fury Road? Yeah. When they like spray the stuff in their face and then go, witness me. <laughs> and I just imagined an emotional meltdown where you're just screaming witness me and i just i I thought like maybe there was a part of you that was like you will watch my emotional meltdown damn it well okay so to be i was gonna say it's not fair not to be fair but to be accurate I did have emotional outbursts, but they were usually violent. As uh, somebody would make a shit call, and then I would be like, "Oh yeah!" and I would smack a basketball against my own face, and I'm like, "Fuck you!" Because if I said "fuck," I get kicked out. Also, sometimes you get kicked out for doing things like smashing a basketball at somebody off your it's own a little. Face. In- it's a little aggressive. 
a little bit <laughs> kind of insane or just like or like run look like i'm running full speed at someone but then just slam yeah. at the mat at the wall like slam into a wall next to them and i'm yeah. like well, there you go i've shown you just like or like 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 rip my own sh- like thrash my own uniform like like those perfectly fine doing that but yeah, just yeah crying in front of people not <laughs> not my favorite so i've uh in the last decade i've i've increased the number of like crying events that i don't seem to have this <laughs> explosive unplanned breakdown in the middle of the winter but the, but the turtle but so there's this gentler Oh no, I don't I don't I don't really I don't really want to, to talk to anybody. I just I just I just like sitting here under my blanket. It's so good here. I do wish that there were twinkle lights. I could buy them, but I'm not gonna go out to buy them. <laughs> just like- I think the instinct to hibernate yeah. is a real fucking thing. Yeah. And that I think a lot of people do not just grant yourself that seasons affect your nervous system they affect the animal that you live inside of that animal doesn't know that there are weekends but it knows that there are seasons it knows that this is a time when you're supposed to go like huddle up eat eat lots of food and save those calories (laughs) because you don't know if you're going to be able to find food later on in the winter when it's really cold and you might just need to rely on those fat stores like yeah it's a, no i'm it's doing so good thing. at that i'm doing so good at that <laughs> i hit i hit my opposite of the weight goal i have the other day. <clears throat> like you wanted to lose a certain amount and you gained that amount pretty much i was like yeah. wow and you know how sometimes uh in cold times we can put on like under layers and then put our clothes on like so the other day I felt just as uncomfortable as if I'd put on like leggings under my jeans, but it was just my own fucking skin. <laughs> it was awful. And it like coincided. I like, I did eat a good number of burgers in the past few months uh, with, with also the not moving or leaving my house. And so I earned it fully. Mm-hmm. Also that was like coincided with like PMS bloating mm-hmm. Plus, I started drinking this new shake that had oats in it. So PMS bloating, oat bloating. It was impressively uncomfortable. And I was not wearing an underlayer of anything. That was just <laughs> the, like, that's just the expanse and stretch of my skin rubbing against stuff. It's well, awesome. In the uh, vein of, I don't know, um, getting one's life under control. <laughs> you want to hear an inspiration that I, I just had that I, I'm, I will, this is an exclusive for the show. Wow. Um, yeah. I think I am going to be brushing off an old uh, project that I did a number of years ago and seeing if I can share it with some people. So if anybody's listening right now or uh, listening at some point in the future before uh, January 1st, 2021. A number of years ago, I was introduced to a concept called 30-day trials um, or 30-day experiments. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that your life is largely changed by your habits. And that working on more than one habit at a time tends to be counterproductive for most people. So um, a guy named Steve Pavlina is where I heard about this first, that he had this idea that every month you pick a habit to focus on and you treat it like an experiment where you're going to do this thing. And at the end of the time, you're going to decide if you want to keep going because it's really hard to get yourself to commit to do something for the rest of your life. But it's pretty easy to get yourself to commit to doing something for 30 days and then reevaluating to see if it's something you want to continue doing. So long story short, I think I'm going to do uh, like a challenge um, starting in 2021. um, And I'm going to get as many people on board as possible. And then I'm going to be sharing my own habits and what I'm doing and how I'm doing on them throughout the year every week. Um, and then organizing the following months and et cetera. That's right. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm 
I've been thinking a lot about how about different habits that have become more challenging during the apocalypse. <laughs> and this is part of my attempt to rein some of that stuff in and be like, all right, let's use the most amount of social pressure that I can imagine <laughs> to get myself followed through on my own habits. And let's build a community here of other people who are like, that sounds like a cool idea. Um, yeah. I remember when you did a program or three that included like habit shifting, I think I had a nightly habit of turning on tunes and just sort of like wiggling and moving to maybe three songs per night and just sort of slowly it was like the the like evening pleasure dance moment thing it's pretty good i I recall enjoying that that chunk of life when i did that i think i managed that habit for like three months yeah there's something about having a project that you're working on Mm -hmm. like something that is about improving your life in a significant way. And um, I think that, you know, having a system for that and a community potentially, I'm excited about it. I think it could be fun. I already have an idea of what my first few are going to be. Nice. Um, But I I think I'm going to, I'm going to include a lot of like educational material in it about why, uh, why habits are so important, how to pick, the linchpin habits is really important too. Is like you have an end goal. Okay. Well, what is the one habit that if you had it, it would make that goal inevitable. So yeah. that's how you can reverse engineer from a goal, get the habit. What's the daily practice that you need to be doing that if you were doing it, that's going to happen. Like you want to write a book. Okay. Well, how many pages do you need to be writing a day or for how many minutes do you need to be writing a day, build that habit. And then your life emerges from those habits yeah so i'm i'm excited about it i think it's going to be a fun project i haven't picked the habit yet i am on the verge of as in like writing to people i've I've decided that somehow i'm going to finish these two different album projects one is some of my original tunes and the other is these like cover tunes that i started recording like 10 years ago that project uh so i'm finishing those Probably before the end of next year, both of those somehow. So I'm like, like, like reaching out to people and starting things and getting like new gear to help facilitate that. And one of the things that's supremely important is I have to remember how to sing and play my guitar again. (laughs) (laughs) It's been six years. Probably. (laughs) And I have been very aware of like some stuck breathing some reverse breathing uh, and some tension and some trauma and some emotions so i've reached out and i'm i'm seeing a body body based therapist to, to to like release some tensions in my throat neck and Ooh. i'm talking like like even internal mouth throat yeah jaw stuff so yeah. that's coming and i don't quite know what my daily remember how to play the guitar and sing habits are going to be, but I'm starting a YouTube playlist of karaoke tunes. So that I can just toss that in my setup and start singing them. So that's like, that's, that's somehow going to be a part of my part. 2021. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I had, I had this um, metaphor come to mind. Um, When I was a kid, both my parents had glasses and I remember having a conversation with another kid at one point. We were talking about vision and I, we were talking about 2020. Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, you know, 2021 is better than 2020 vision. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's what I'm going to call my project. <laughs> 2021 is better than 2020. Nice. <laughs> yeah. I had this thing that popped up in my head where, okay, I was watching something. Oh, yeah. Grey's Anatomy. I have been like deeply, the turtle and I deeply have been watching Grey's Anatomy and in there because it's like I quit at season nine and I've been, I can talk about that in a minute, but like I've watched a lot of that show. And one of the episodes was a physicist or somebody who used to work for NASA was creating a time machine. And in this show, the theory was you cannot go to the past. 
they just that was that's the they were just like well you can't go to the past but you can go to the future was their idea of how time worked it's like cool well there there actually is some legitimacy to that from a physics standpoint is like the past doesn't really exist but if you accelerate close to the speed of light you actually will be moving faster than other people through time so you can go forward but the idea of going backwards would basically mean you have to put the universe in reverse and Mm -hmm. that doesn't really happen so there is no theoretical way to to travel backwards in time um at least not in the physical world in your imagination you can but to go forward um, that actually is theoretically possible, but hold on a second. This is Grey's Anatomy, the show about fuck the like the soap opera kind of show about a hospital. Yeah, and there's yeah. a fucking time machine. Well, there's a person who got injured because she was making a time machine. Okay, did they actually have time travel in the show? No. Okay, because that no. would be like a jumping the shark moment if I ever heard of one. <laughs> right? Am I right? Yeah, well, we can talk about Grey's Anatomy in a second, but I was just thinking about how, okay, so if you could only go to the future, what I could do is maybe I don't know what I need to be doing right now, what habit is the most important shift to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or maybe I don't necessarily feel connected to like a deeply viscerally motivating or inspiring reason to do something. But what would my future self need me to be doing right now so that we can both exist and accomplish the things I'm like, so I was like sitting there on the couch and that was my inspired moment of that particular episode is like, I don't feel all that compelled or urgency towards any specific thing I have to have to do, right? Sometimes I do. And that's how a lot of my motivation for habits and changes have happened before. It was just like, I need it. And so I have to do these things. And I, I don't have a pull so hard. Like finish these albums. Yeah. I could also, I mean, I want to do them before I die. But I don't also have that like, I have to be, blah. So, but my future self I could go talk to my future self about what she needs me to be doing right now yep. and is incredibly important. And I was like, oh, because I can't go to the past and change, but I can go to the future and change my now, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is what I was thinking. And yeah. that came up about habits and TV. Yeah, that is a another great place to figure out powerful, uh, high leverage habits is reverse engineer from where you want to get to um, and then go, okay, well, and I I think talking to your future self is a great way to do that. Yeah. I do that with my clients all the time. Yeah. What do you, what do I need to know now about what's going to happen to me? (laughs) Totally. totally. Okay. Can I go talk to them? that achieved the thing and then help them show me all the stuff I had to do to get there. Exactly. Totally can. Yeah. So Grey's Anatomy, man, I am learning so much i'm also having so many moments of just yelling at the tv for different reasons i have i told i think i've told you the story and maybe i don't know if i've told the show the story (laughs) that 10 years ago i i violently quit three tv shows i think in the same week and it 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 so happens that for hormone reasons for like shifting of my menstrual cycle reasons i got a colleagist put me on birth control mm. and that did have an effect on my moods and my emotions so i think i was at week three and all of a sudden the stuff that you have been feeling very resonant with didn't feel resonant anymore <laughs> you know, so so I it was Thursdays. Grey's Anatomy was on Thursdays and I would I would watch Glee first and then I would watch Grey's Anatomy and I would cry in Glee and I would cry. It was my Thursdays of crying and that was fine. But but so the season, the end of the season before, they killed off two of my favorite characters. Mm. And then in this beginning episode of this like ninth season, they they separated the the two the like the best friends were separated from each other and super sad and then and then the happiest character that they put in their show who would like roller skate around the hospital they cut off her leg and she was <laughs> mad and depre- and i was already the like 
the episode of Glee was full of all of these couples breaking up. And I yeah. was on the verge of a breakup because I was crazy on uh, birth control lady. I was not the most dateable human for those weeks. And then everybody's breaking up and then they kill off the two people that I love and they cut off the leg of the happy person. And I'm like, fuck you, fuck you, I can't. And I like throw my remote at the couch, but still the like battery compartment flies off. And I, bro- I broke up with the show. And uh, yeah, that sounds like season nine of a yes. show. Do you know what I mean? Like, that sounds like the season when they're like, okay, come on, people. We got to come up with some ways to keep people interested. Well, I mean, they already, like, they've already at this point had car accidents with characters flying through and the mat, like, shooting, active shooter uh, season finale. Uh, Their main character just kind of not wanting to live anymore and sinking to the bottom of some river or whatever. Like they've, they've gone big. Right. And yeah. here they're like, let's just put everyone through a plane crash. Just poo. Uh, and I could not handle that at that point yeah. in my life. Um, and about two months ago, I'd been seeing these Instagram photos of the show station 19, which is like a firefighters show. And there was like hot firefighters. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch this show. Not knowing that it was a, like a, a family show, like with Grey's Anatomy. I didn't realize hmm. that station 19 was the, the, the fire unit next to the hospital. Oh, so it's like in the uh, Grey's Anatomy universe. Yes. And, yeah. So I'm watching it and a bunch of st- and then like they're going to the hospital and a bunch of the Grey's characters did there. And I'm like, OK. And I got this feeling I watched three seasons of Station 19 and I got this feeling that there was like a bunch of stuff happening in the Grey's Anatomy episodes that I was missing that would like make this show make some sense because there were uh-huh. some relationships that didn't make full sense happening. And because f- I watched the CW, I'm used to like moments of crossover. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, Maybe I'm strong enough to go back and watch this show. And it's true. I did. I did finally. It's a lot to do to go from like season. They're in season 17 now. So, so I watched nine through 16. I just started season 17 like last night. It's a lot of years to catch up on a 25 episode. Did you start? Did you start at the beginning? No, I just started. No, you started where you left off. off. Okay, okay. Yeah, season yeah. nine. My God, I don't. I think there's only one show I've ever watched seventeen or more seasons of. Is that The Simpsons? No, South Park. Oh, yeah. I, I Simpsons is good for like seven. There's about seven or eight great seasons of. The Simpsons, and I have actually heard, you know, randomly, yeah. um, the sometime recently in the last few years, they changed the animation. Uh, I think they went fully digital, maybe yeah. with with the Simpsons, mm-hmm. and apparently, it allows them the freedom to do a lot of stuff that they have never been able to do before. And in, I've heard that in the last couple of seasons, the show has been relevant again. <laughs> Um, like actually legitimately funny and creative and experimental and like, cause the Simpsons for a long time was, it it was amazing how far it had fallen from being one of the most cutting edge shows of all time at, at that time. Um, and then going into this place where formulaic doesn't begin to describe it. It, it, it was, just, I mean, they. What, how do you keep something going that long? They've done everything. Um, so yeah. yeah, I I have not watched any of the new seasons. Um, I did recently go back and rewatch a bunch of old ones. Um, with my kid, because uh, he thought Simpsons was funny. Yeah, but I guess Supernatural was it one of those long running shows? How many seasons was that? Like nineteen, fifteen, or some lot? Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I know that people in this, like the CW, like like Stephen Amell from Arrow is just like, I can't believe that Jason Polecki or whatever his name is, they've been on that so long. And yeah. he was like, Amell was like, Stephen was like, yeah, eight years is enough. I, yeah. I want to do some other stuff. 
I agree. I mean, so, I, I I don't know how, you know, I guess I always have in my head when it comes to performing, I always think of Cats, the the Broadway musical. Yeah. Um, there were people in the original cast that did that show six days a week, two shows a day on two of the six days um, for I, uh, how many years? It was decades. I, I know it was more than 20. I want to say it was in the neighborhood of 30 years that that show was on Broadway and you're doing the same performance every night. Yes. And I, 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 I always think about that as like the far extreme end of turning performing into a job like working at McDonald's. Like, how do you bring it for something like that when it when you do it that many times? Um, yeah, I mean, and then on the other side of the extreme, you have, you know, uh, movies like that's one time you do this one time and you capture a thing and then that thing lives on. But you're done with it. Totally. And then you have other things where it's, you know, somewhere in the middle. Like when I would do theater productions, they would be, you know, three weekends or the longest run I ever did was three months. Yeah. Um, we did a Christmas show till like January 20th. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they liked the show. So yeah. I, like that's why we kept doing it because people kept coming. But um, yeah, I had yeah, a like that's a run. weird um, spectrum. Yeah. I had a three month run of this like touring children's show at elementary mm -hmm. schools and we would do two to three shows a day mm -hmm. traveling all around like Oregon for three months that was my life it yeah. was a lot <laughs> it was a lot of work uh and I have friends who've done like blue man group in Vegas and they were like stage um stage manager of the blue Man group for like four to six years and a yeah. friend who just did a six month run as as a lead guitarist filling in for someone who was pregnant and she was like it was a lot of work uh, did I yeah. tell you about my weird connection with the Blue Man Group? I don't know if you did. If 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 I can grab the conversation and sure. turn it in a full ninety degrees. <laughs> um, so I uh was looking for a number of years ago when I first got introduced to bioenergetics um and the work of Alexander Lowen. I was looking for a bioenergetic therapist local yeah. um here in Southern California. And I found uh, a woman who was, it, it was a couple that they both um, did therapy individually. And one of the two of them would often lecture at some of the big conferences and things like this. Um, I can't recall her name off the top of my head, but I ended up reaching out, having um, a consultation with her. And when I sat down and talked with her, she told me that um, I can't remember how it came up. I think I was talking about Joseph Campbell and she brought up that her son was part of this um, group of people who was really inspired by Joseph Campbell. And they did this, um, this performance piece uh, about this archetypal character um, that they called the blue man. <laughs> and her son was one of the original blue men. They apparently the first performance they ever gave was they got all blue and then they carried like a coffin uh -huh. with somebody in it. I can't remember what the symbolism of it was, but they did it in like a parade of some sort. That was the first appearance of the blue man group. And her son was one of those guys. That's awesome. Yeah. I used to work at the house of blues Vegas, which is across the, the loading dock of blue man is across the street from the loading dock at the house of blues. And we would see all sorts of weird uh, prop objects being dumped in their like dumpster at the end of the night. And I don't, I just remember the weird shapes and blue people. I don't specifically remember what they were. Uh, but yeah, just weird visceral memories of like, we're loading in rock bands and they're loading in weird floaty things and <laughs> yeah. passing it out. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like a like 2 a.m. Vegas memories of spaces that most humans don't get to like witness. Those are not. Yeah. Behind the scenes, literally. Yeah. So 17 years, I found myself yelling 
uh, at the TV. And I, I think here's some stuff that I imagine you probably would relate to. So like nine, season nine to season 17, that's a number of years of evolution and for character development. And many characters come and go and they're all these different, you know, like, like each, each episode's different diseases come in and get to be solved. All the while these humans who are regularly there, they're having their dramas. So very frequently there are usually man people who will punch people or break things or punch walls or do violent things. And for a very, 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 very long time, I think it was like season 14 or 15 before anyone just suggested that some of these people might go to therapy. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, like trauma happens. I think, okay. One of the characters gets beat up by a patient. And then after recovering from all of that, and nearly dying, finally that character gets therapy. That's awesome. Also, it took till season, I think, 15 or 16 before there was some sort of alternative therapy offered. There were two. There was some sort of kinesiology-based thing and then some sort of like cross-mapping, whatever, for PTSD. And I'm like, finally, somebody's like, you know, you seem to make decisions that um, aren't that rational and kind of looping and maybe you should maybe deal with or see someone to help with your trauma from the war and all this other stuff. Uh, and so I saw one therapeutics, but here's where I was yelling at the television. There's this episode where the pediatric uh, doctor or the fetal surgeon person has a patient who's see if I remember this right, whose father died from surgery, did not wake up from anesthesiology. So she now has a phobia and needs to get a surgery for her fetus, her child yeah. inside the, you know, fetal surgery is inside the thing. So she's in the hospital. She's freaking out. She's very, very, very just phobic. And I'm like, uh, hypnosis. Cool. And they keep like, yeah. ah, she leaves. And the doctor goes to her house and baby steps her painfully and terrified into her car and then painfully and terrified out of the parking lot painfully and terrified in the elevator like are you fucking kidding me (laughs) two hours or less with a with a hypnotherapist and zero zero do you know how agitating the the chemistry of terror is she's actually going to have a fucking surgery that's traumatic enough for her body to have to go through like like inching her way terror filled into yeah. fucking are you like no one thought oh hey you know and it's still dramatic enough to bring in a hypnotherapist and just have them like it's supposed to be an innovative like hospital and no one's like you know what if she just didn't have that fear of needles or surgery and wasn't like, ah, oh, I, I just, I could not. I think this was part of the day when you're like, do you want to do an episode? I was like, I am in, I was just so mad <laughs> at this point. I think it was like the fourth thing that particular day that I was just walking around my house yelling about. <laughs> just letting people be stuck with fixable problems in a fucking show that's about helping people and healing people. I think we've talked about this before. I don't remember if it was on this show, but this idea that many people really live in a model of the world where these kinds of issues are not things you can fix. Mm-hmm. Like if you have a phobia of something, well, then you got to learn how to avoid that thing. You have yeah. to learn how to manage these things. Um, but like there's so many things that people assume you can't do anything about. Totally. Um, w- you and I have even talked about, it. I mean, anxiety and trauma. Trauma is like the root of all this stuff. But um, we've also talked about um 
you can't, there's an ad, when you don't understand what it is possible to overcome and heal on a mental and emotional level, you operate rightfully with the assumption that you need to make the world safer for all of the traumatized and wounded people. Yeah. But the problem is that it's to use a physical analogy. It's like lots of people are getting wounds physically and they're not healing them mm-hmm. and they could be healing them, but for whatever reason, they're not They're Maybe they're, they're uh, nutrient deficient in some way, or maybe they keep reopening the fucking wound yeah. again. Maybe somebody else is reopening the wound, whatever. The point is they're walking around with all these open wounds. And so people are taking the attitude of, we need to make the world safer so that it doesn't bump these wounds when that's not really the answer. We don't need to nerf the world physically <laughs> or emotionally or mentally. We need to make people more resilient and that is about owning and being honest about your trauma and, yes. and going, this is not, admitting your trauma is not a death sentence. It, the, it's the first step of actually transcending it. Yeah. And, and, that, and you getting angry that that show is reflecting that the existence and persistence of that worldview makes a lot of sense to me. Totally. One of the other things that I was, so I was deeply in the apparently, and I, I literally wrote to the show's Instagram account because I just couldn't anymore. One of the things I was getting upset about was that the show is set in Seattle and apparently in this version of Seattle, there are only just black people there. I'm like, you know, oh, really? Asian people exist. And there's like uh-huh. 16% of them in Seattle, according to the census of 2010, which is where season nine starts. And also there's more now, including Eastern Asians, uh, no, Southeastern Asians, which equals India because tech boom. And anyway, yeah. like, where are the Asian people and where are the Latinx people? And like, mm-hmm. what is going on? I'm so confused. So then I do some Googling and I discovered that they're doing blind casting and they're very proud of it. And still, apparently, it isn't until like season 14 that I'm like, oh, here we are. Asian and Latinx people are now existing in the show. I don't know how that happened. And it just like, Mm. and I'm fine. I think it's wonderful that there are so many rad opportunities for Black actors to be doing stuff. I know they're finding these people. I think they shoot in L.A. And that is fine. I'm just so curious about how there seems to be an utter lack of a fuck ton of doctors and patients who are Asian mm. in Seattle, because I think the exposure that I've had from Portland and my friends who are Asian, that like you're only allowed to be a lawyer or a doctor. Right. <laughs> it was just so very, very, very strange. And it's different. Huh. Like it gets into like season 14, 15, 16. I'm like, oh, well, it, br- it like- brings you out of the story. <laughs> that That's one of the things is like, you know, when 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 the character is shoehorned in there, Mm-hmm. Or when the character's missing, or like it should be something different. Both of those are not, it's like casting that's not in service of the story, right? right. And um, yeah, uh, I, I think it takes you out in either direction. It was just very confusing. And it's fine. Yeah. I mean, like Shonda Rhimes is the the showrunner of this. And then she's like very famously the, the one of the biggest African-American showrunners or the biggest showrunner ever actually and she happens to be female and african-american and that sort of thing and that's rad and it's great to have more acting opportunities and give really viscerally bitey parts that aren't like pimps and prostitutes right to, to the you know i'm like yay also what they got right and there's a time i'm not yelling like by like mixed raced uh couples actually have children that are probably the color that they would have like that's mm. driven me crazy about other shows and so i'm mm. like oh i'm represented here and that's pretty cool and yay i'm not yelling about that but it's like where are the asian people mm. on tv where at all and it's yeah. so the other thing was that there were a couple characters who were driving me nuts because their pattern was to be incredibly self-involved and then speak for 
the, the the other like they would speak over and for the other person they would just decide in their monologue what the other human was thinking and feeling and then they would react to their own projection mm-hmm. and then leave the fucking room and i was just well that's a very real phenomena holy like, balls yes that's oh. a thing that people very very much do in real life no one's calling them on it mm. like i'm like okay cool you narcissist projectile whatever what and i just wanted to shake the tv it was like what if you actually asked them why they did the thing then shut the fuck up and let them tell you and then even listen to it and then you would know and it wouldn't be all of the 12 things you made up and just yelled <laughs> you, I, have you, i'm sure you've never had an experience of someone doing that to you in life <laughs> is that maybe why it gets under your skin <laughs> Relationship like that, <laughs> no, no, I don't relate to that at all. No, I that yeah. no, my my father has been doing that with me. But uh, to me, that, that that's an interesting one to bring up because it's frustrating, but it's supposed to be like that's good writing. If they're getting you to feel that way because they want you to feel that way about that character, right? I'm not entirely sure that's the case. Oh, okay. There's there's a level at which both of these characters are female. And I think there's a level at which we're supposed to sympathize with their point of view. Oh, and you're, oh, I've seen that before. Yeah, where you're like, wait a minute. No, you're not the victim here. (laughs) No. I mean, everybody gets to exist and have their experience and their emotions. And and these characters just keep running this pattern. And I'm I'm waiting. I'm waiting for like there there were some moments where one of the like one of the characters, April Kepner, who's a really annoying character that uh becomes just really kind of fun to watch because she like spins out in a way that's amazing. And and uh somebody does say this is so not about you right now and like has to like reel her back in is like no 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 this is about like refocus about me about me about me it's just one time somebody calls calls her on it and and the other character is maggie pierce and it's rough because all of these people are supposed to be incredibly brilliant geniusy mm. like great at their craft but they're also humans that's like spent a lot of time with other geeks and books yeah. And, well, and also there has to be drama. So I, I right. always think about like, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know if this is accurate because right. I, I have my own uh, distortions and projections. But when I imagine a team like, let's say, NASA, okay, um, their whole thing, I, I, I've been toying with this uh, idea about the hero's journey as like one of the problems is that we model these stories where there's drama because mm-hmm. that story is interesting, right. but the hero's journey does not presuppose drama. It presupposes challenge, but going to the fucking moon is pretty challenging. Yeah. Um, but the idea is that if you plan and you train sufficiently you should be able to go on your hero's quest with no drama or little to no drama even if there's unexpected things you can train and plan so well that it's not that big of a deal and the majority of the trips to the moon um apollo 13 notwithstanding (laughs) and the ones that exploded um, (laughs) the majority of them they they did it and they, and it happened exactly the way they planned. And you just think about like going to the space station and what everything that has to go right to make that work. Um, And I think about like, that's not an interesting TV show because it's, 
we sit down and we analyze the problem and we plan for all of the things that could happen. We train effectively and correctly and diligently, and then we go do it. And it works exactly the way that we thought that it did. And then we're done. And that's not a show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the other bit is that these are humans who have been like in school a lot in these like very confined, like sterile environments with their books and their learning and they're weird enough to want to cut people open. So they have this strange yeah. <laughs> psychology that allows them to like rip open things and be with blood and guts. Yeah. And they're not super great at socializing because they were probably not in the groups of like these usually I think doctors and surgeons are fucking weird. Kind of they're goofy. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a lot of friends who were naturopathic doctors. It's a very different thing. Sure. And um, yeah, so I'm thinking of like, these are the people who don't have not spent their 10,000 hours of socializing with other Mm. people in the ways that generally people learn to communicate and evolve. Yeah, I mean, world class musicians um, and world class athletes, too, to a certain Mm -hmm. extent, like 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 Olympic athletes. Um, not like pro- professional athletes necessarily. Some of them are like that. But when you think about like the kind of, uh, or they, it, I've put like magicians in there too, <laughs> like the best violinist in the world and an, an Olympic gold medalist shot putter and a magician <laughs> and a surgeon yes. are all going to have a similar level of obsessive compulsive, like, uh, like they're going to have missed out on a lot of things because they have been putting 14 hours a day into what they, the art and skill that they are developing for however many years. Yeah. One of the firefighters in station 19 is an Olympic uh, track athlete. Yeah. And that's part of her storyline is just not, not having access to to relating with people in a specific way and being really freaking sadistically competitive. It's pretty good. It's pretty so good. So where are you in the show now? So now I'm caught up. I Oh, it's still I'm, on the air? Yeah, they're in oh. season 17, Grey's Anatomy. Oh, I didn't get that. And I thought there was like a finale we were you we were working <laughs> up to, but not yet. I don't know when that show's going to be done. I but I did get to that like the calm. I just like deeply was in the catching up and just last night got to see this season's first episode of Station 19 first episode of Grey's Anatomy and they start with, they're in pandemic now. Oh. And I I actually partially was trying to figure out what I'd missed in the crossover episodes to answer a question about one of the relationships that ha- is happening between the shows and it turns out there are zero scenes that explain the, the the missing elements of what I'm supposed to know about a relationship that's in the show. So there's, there are that's these an odd writing characters. choice. That sounds like an editing problem. It's I like, we like, we had to cut this down. <laughs> there are two characters, two, two women from either show who one of them announces herself in the first season as not interested in monogamy, bisexual, who's not interested in monogamy. But she ends up saying a whole bunch of monogamish stuff. And I'm like, this is bad writing. Did they forget who they said this was going to be? I'm very confused. And then she gets into a relationship with this other woman from Grey's who is also kind of like non, a little more open to. And I'm like, and then there's all these scenes where they're being very monogamous. And I'm like, what explains that? Maybe I didn't see. So that's part of it. Maybe I'll watch it. Maybe there's a bunch of stuff I'm missing from both shows. And zero Zero things. For, yeah. they're, they're not in a scene together in Grey's Anatomy at all. They're only in the Station 19 episodes. I'm like, okay, I am still confused about when did these two people decide that their particular relationship with each other is now suddenly this new thing where they're only what? What? Also, yeah. what? And what? <laughs> it's just annoying. I don't, maybe it was in the pilot episode and sometimes with pilots they forget what the fuck they said about characters. Yes. Often. And they're like, we got to go in a different direction. (laughs) Polyamorous bisexual. Yeah. I want to see that. Where, what, where is it? Uh, No, that does feel like a plot hole that 
would bother you especially? Like, I imagine, like, if you watch uh, a guitarist on screen and they show the fingers and it's not right, like, think about, like, (laughs) 99% of people on the planet can look at that and go, whatever, it looks good enough. But if you actually are an expert in something, every time (laughs) they screw it up, like for me, like watching hypnosis TVs and movie is a mm-hmm. joke most of the time, but it looks good enough for television for most people. And yeah. it seems like this one with the, <laughs> you were like, oh, uh, yeah, more of that. And then th- they gloss over it. And probably a lot of other people didn't even notice that plot hole, but you're sitting there like, what? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's happening? How would that be the thing that the person would say? That doesn't seem, that doesn't crack. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that finally happened in Grey's Anatomy, like in season 16, was this idea that apparently, get this, Nicholas, someone could love two people Mm. at the same time. Mm -mm. And it could be true. It occurs to a character that, yeah, yeah, they actually do legitimately love two people at the same time well you're knocking it but the fact that it's considering it is like leagues ahead of most other shows (laughs) i'm i'm actually confused about like even just even just crushes on people like that that, that's not more commonly talked about in shows i'm like but i'm sorry affairs happen i get very confused about the thing things that happen all the time but that don't occur to people so if affairs happen mm-hmm. all of the fucking time such that people are like mad about it cool cool i get it we're like told that things are supposed to be a certain way i'm like but but people are always attracted to more than one person at one time and often they develop loving feelings for many humans it doesn't like negate or cancel out what when are we going to catch up to well it shows it does show up in romantic plot lines but it's always a problem like it's considered a dilemma like oh no i'm in love with this person and this person and and then it's like okay so then the end of the story is going to be you picking one right pick one person that's or you're broken yeah. along oh, that is no. the only oh, option no. i'm having yeah. uh well i mean you're you're a people. You sound like you're on a particular soapbox today. <laughs> um, it's just, it keeps repeating. This theme keeps repeating yeah. in shows. I'm like, well, but, um, but it, it, when I just don't understand, I don't understand if people seem to keep having affairs and being capable of feeling for many, many people and being attracted to many, many people. Why? Why wouldn't we just just appreciate that that seems like a very human thing that exists? Well, my wife and my girlfriend and <laughs> my wife's boyfriend all agree with you. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> well, actually, I kind of got to go. So is that our punchline? <laughs> Boom! I think that works. Okay. I love it. <laughs> Thanks for I'll hanging out and diving and grazing. You it. bet. We'll <laughs> talk again soon. That was fun. All right. Bye. Bye. TV deeply, everybody. <laughs>